All right, this is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have a fantastic guest, a neighbor of mine who I had no idea is an actor and worked with you, Norman, in uh, Word for Word. We have uh, Brennan Pickman, I want to say Ooh. Thune. That is correct. All right. How's it going, man? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, just looking at your resume, it's so impressive. You're an alum of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts like me. Uh, you came a little bit later on, uh, and you've worked with ACT, the Berkeley Rep, Marin Theater, Cal Shakes, Word for Word, and many, many others. So we're happy to have you in the seat. And uh, are you working on anything right now? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I am a fantastic guest in that I have very little to plug. It's okay. Uh, I am just here for, I'm here for the vibes. Right on, right on. Norman, it's been a while. I know. Oh my God. Like, it's been about a month. How's your mom? My mom is great. My mom is still dealing with the loss of my stepdad last year. Mm. Um, I got to go to her bereavement group. That was wild. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I could see how it was good for her, but I could also see that group dynamic is huge. Because... They're going through something that, until you're going through it, you really don't know how to deal. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, I have a mouthful. If if you could see, you <laughs> folks who are listening, if you could see, I'm like gesturing. I have a mouthful of teeth now. There are no gaps in oh, my right mouth on. <laughs> for the first time in. Ooh, jeez. A long time, yeah. Oh, like over, we've 10 been years, talking maybe. about just the, how horrible the 15. well, the the healthcare system, depending upon what your job is, right. you either have great healthcare or not great healthcare, and you've had to go to Mexico. Right. I went to Tijuana. I found a dentist. It was funny. A woman who I don't actually remember, but she worked at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts, moved back to Tijuana, was going to a dentist there, and she said, "Well, this is my dentist number. He's not as cheap as some of the other ones." Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's happy to take you on. And I'm like, well, I, a recommendation goes a long way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've gotten bridges, root canal, crowns, uh, implant. Yeah, it's just been all in, a lot. All in Tijuana. All in Tijuana. Wow. Yeah, I think that's that's how you know you're an adult because you're not going to Tijuana to party. <laughs> you're going to get dental work done. Right. And sit through the insane traffic trying to get back. It takes less time. It's half an hour from my mom's house. It takes less time to get there and get the work done than it does to get back across the border. Mm. Mm. And I'm wondering the, the price. Is it less than $500 for all of it? No, no. For all of it, it's over 5000 Okay. But, but it could have been 10000 Well, somebody was yeah. telling me. I, I just saw. I talked to. So one of the guys, one of the border guards, yeah. one of the customs guys, um, He's, they have to ask you, do you live in Mexico? No, I don't live in Mexico. Why are you here? Because I'm getting my teeth done, I said. I said, I just got finished with all this work. And he's like, well, how much? And I said, well, I'm not really sure because I had a balance of 700 mm-hmm. from previous work. I paid that off and then they did this work and they're like, yeah, that was it. No, you just paid for everything. So it's over $5,000 for all of that. And he said, I worked in a dental office. It's $5,000 for a bridge, one mm-hmm. bridge. Yeah. I went, okay, I'm feeling pretty good now. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're doing... So that's been great. Mm-hmm. And then I came back because I forgot. 
that I had booked a job uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. So I got a text message on Thursday. Yeah, on Thursday saying, see you tomorrow, <laughs> bright and early. I was like, oh, fuck me. I'm really going to drive all the way. So I drove up from San Diego to Claremont in mm-hmm. L.A. County where my brother lives. Yeah. Had dinner with them, then jumped on the road and somehow drove all the way through. I got home at like 3 a.m. Wow. And then got up at 8 mm-hmm. so that I could make it to Walnut Creek for this gig, which was an all-day gig, 9 to 4. Oh, no. Oh, man. Was your mouth hurting at all? No, no, because uh, the last little piece that they did was just... I, I don't really know what it was, but they did almost nothing. I was numb, but I it was two hours getting back across the border. By the time I got across the border, most of it was back. That's good that you didn't show up to your gig, like, you know, exhausted <laughs> no. with a pounding toothache. Oh, and, man. Yeah, yeah. There was one time I went to the dentist, and I guess they had numbed me out to, mm-hmm. you know, remove the pain, but it affected my tongue. And I had a gig, and I just couldn't articulate. I was like, <laughs> "Well, I'm learning articulation all over again because yeah. my tongue." I, I described right. it before right. with the bridges because they're both upper bridges. Yeah, um, it's like in bowling when you, for little kids, the way they put the bumpers in the gutter to keep the ball. In. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. My tongue is going. What the fuck is all this? <laughs> right, thing? right. But one other thing I wanted to point yes. out um, mm-hmm. in this last week, I have had three auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten golf claps, two callbacks. Yeah, yeah. We won't and, jinx and it. And the other one is is in discussion. Uh-huh. I am at this place where suddenly I can actually talk to people. Mm-hmm. It isn't just go in the room, go out of the room. I can actually get in touch and say, "Hey, um, I'm not asking, you know, what's going on with that. I'm just checking in with you generally." Yeah. And they respond and then mm-hmm. I get to have a real conversation so that's been amazing you are at a point right now where you really don't how, I mean you really don't have to do auditions anymore because people know your work well know- I don't do as many generals yeah um, hmm. but you still get called in you still have to read well of course the reading is Mostly. fine yeah <laughs> but a lot of folks know who you are they just right. want to know will you fit in I, I am shocked how yeah. much people know I am because then the last thing I'll say is Big Data has mm-hmm. started rehearsal. ACT understudies just got to come in yeah. uh, last week for one read through, and then we're off for a couple of weeks. We come mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. the week they go into tech. Yeah, that was the same for us during Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. and you got to see uh, B D Wong. I got to see B D Wong. I got to see, you know the cast. I'm thrilled with all the local people. I'm impressed with the non-local people. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's B.D. Wong playing this mysterious stranger. Yeah. And they're navigating this new script. And it's like, God, we begged, can we please come in next week? Mm-hmm. And so we were told maybe by the end of next week, they will feel comfortable enough. Because right now, there are a lot of script adjustments happening. Mm-hmm. So Because this was a commission. This is the yeah, first, it's first production. Yep. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. And I'm thrilled. To be mm-hmm. doing it, but I'm also, yeah, the whole, like, what am I doing? I, I was telling you before we started, I'm supposed to do a film shoot next weekend, but mm-hmm. he had said it would have been this weekend, and mm-hmm. I said, that's not a problem. Next weekend, <clears throat> or, yeah, next weekend, I'm like, uh, I already have one call back on one of those days, mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, I, 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 
He's a great this problem to have. This is a little local film project. I'm really sorry, but I, I may be calling Reg up and saying, hey, Reg, <laughs> don't, don't you want to be a, I think, I can't remember the character's a judge or a lawyer or something like oh, that. Oh, hey, if it's not too far, what the hell? It's, it's yeah, it should be local. Yeah. But yeah, no, so it's been a crazy busy week. Yeah, no, 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 hey, that's, those are uh, cool problems to have. <laughs> Getting mm-hmm. to auditions, you know, people just trying to big book an audition, right? <laughs> Much less get there. No, that's mm-hmm. awesome. There've been some current events, um, all sorts of political stuff. We don't have to really dive in. I mean, <laughs> since the last time we met, I don't think Trump won any primaries. Now that you're here, he's won both <laughs> but Iowa he did lose a case. and New Hampshire, and yes, he owes I think eighty million dollars. Eighty-three million dollars. I, I have no idea if she's actually going to get it. This no. is Eugene Carroll. Case. There's no way he pays that money. No, yeah. I, I doubt it. Right, I, I seriously doubt it. But there's a criminal case that's that's coming up, so yeah, I, it'll be interesting. Cause it's supposed to be uh, March, but we're following it in happen. real time. All these primaries, mm-hmm. I think I do believe that he's going to be the nominee. I made a bet with a friend of mine, a lawyer who uh-huh. I'm a paralegal for. I said, "Listen, Nikki Haley's going to drop out before Super Tuesday." Yeah, oh, I well, really believe she's going to get spanked in South Carolina. Yeah. It's it's a shame. I mean, her, it's not uh, her, a shame. They're horrible her own people. South Carolina. <laughs> I don't think where she's from. I would be surprised if she genuinely thinks that she has a shot at this mm-hmm. year. I I think mm-hmm. that she's positioning herself for a future. You know. Yeah political position just Mm -hmm. to be the person who at this point was like hey i was your alternative to him right like you didn't go with me then but Mm -hmm. now that i think she's betting the party will shift in a different direction and she'll be the person who was like i was with this from the beginning i was the one running against him i I agree i think so yeah and you know chris christie's tried to do it ronda santos tried to do it you would think (laughs) Okay, people are gonna have be a, people are going to have enough of Donald Trump, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I'm not so surprised at Donald Trump and his narcissism. I'm surprised at the people. I mean, what's right. it gonna take? <laughs> right. I well, don't know. They've gotta believe it's, what they're being told, which they I, don't. Yeah, I don't know that there's anyone who just swings as much weight as he does right. yeah. on that side of okay. the aisle. Yeah. They they pinned their entire thing to him. For right. better or for worse, yep. and right. I think they're finding out that a byproduct of doing that is that there really is no one else who can compete when he is still the 300-pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. Right, exactly. Brendan, I'll ask you this question. I mean, since 2016, when we didn't even really see this, I mean, we thought of Donald Trump as a joke as he was running. Yeah. And now, you know, he then he got elected, and then we really saw the country. Anyone who hasn't lived outside of California would have never known that there is this other you know, area. We knew people were Republican, but we didn't know that they were, you know, this extreme, that they would take so much. Did that, does that shock you? I mean, just seeing this eight year uh, trajectory? I I would say as someone who, like I grew up here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I, the longest time I've spent out of the Bay Area mm-hmm. was seven years in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Bay Area and Coast. New York, those yeah. are two very specific bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I was pretty you know, blindsided. I was, I was, uh, believing that New- you remember the New York times needle thing that oh. on election night, 2016 was like oh. 97% Clinton, 3% yeah. Trump. And then you just watched that thing swing the other way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, I was fully, you know, assuming that this was the best possible scenario. Cause he was a joke of a candidate. Right. It couldn't possibly win. And yeah, it was, that night actually was really wild. I was working on a documentary. I was uh, helping 
production coordinate for a documentary and it was like the second to last day mm-hmm. like everything had been shot um they were wrapping things up and i was like returning things mm-hmm. like right. things that they'd rented for the production right and i just remember i'm listening to it on the radio cuz mm-hmm. i'm driving around in in the you know sprinter that they rented for the for mm. production mm-hmm. and i'm trying to return chairs and i'm trying to return this printer to staples mm-hmm. and oh. like during all of this it's just getting more and more dire and like the voices of people on NPR are changing as they're reporting <laughs> yeah it mm-hmm. actually looks like he's going to win in short you know all yeah, these places yeah yeah and and I'm like alone doing right. all these returns mm. kind of freaking out and there is something I think uniquely uh mind fucky about attempting to return a printer uh-huh. during like the implosion of American democracy. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of putting it because, you know, you want to... Yeah, I remember. I remember being in the uh, Berkeley Rep um, writing class with Gary Graves. Oh, uh-huh. as we, as you know, the results were coming in, and we were taking breaks, and you know, some folks were like j- looking at their phones while trying to you know read our pieces and, right. and all that sort of stuff. And really, the room. I mean, the atmosphere just. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever. Been, I mean, I'll have to think of September 11th or something like that, where mm-hmm. the atmosphere you take, you talk about sports or whatever, and then all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, we need to stop and pay attention because mm-hmm. something serious is happening, and it may happen again in 2026, uh, 24. 24. Uh, yeah. I'm optimistic. Um, <clears throat> I think it just can't happen again, can <laughs> the, it? <laughs> the pain, the silence for a moment there. I'm exactly. optimistic. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yep, yep, yep. It can happen again, right? Uh, <laughs> we, we will see. In uh, uh. another um, few, uh, current events. So there's this guy named, oh, what's his name? I thought I had it written down. Uh, Dean Phillips, who is running All right. as the Democrat candidate. I didn't even yep. know. I'm like, okay, well, yep. Biden is the runner. So who's running against Biden? I mean, right. I know about... I know about um, JFK Jr. Right. And uh, Marianne, Robert, yeah. Marianne uh, Phillips, Roberts... Uh, Marianne Williamson. Williamson, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Orb and gang. Cornell West. Don't Orb gang, rise up. Oh, that's Even right. everybody else forgets. <laughs> <laughs> right. But in any case, Dean Phillips, he had been using OpenAI, ChatGPT, to speak to potential voters. Oh. Robocalls. Oh, no. Oh, no. And having AI pretend to be him. Right. Hey, let's have a conversation. So oh, what do no. you think about the... And OpenAI stopped him. They were like, hey, you cannot use our software for this. This is going to be a recurring thing. It's going to be yes. We're we're driving into that future. Oh yeah. You know, I, I imagine you know being in like 1901 and people are talking about well these things called cars are just running around. Have you seen a car mm-hmm. right. lately? It's going to be about yeah. It's going to be the same thing with ChatGPT. So, um, are we worried about I don't know AI and uh, I mean as actors we're not worried about someone getting on stage. You know AI mm-hmm. can't. Doing anything well, not for theater, but certainly for film, TV, and commercial. Oh, yeah. I mean, that yeah, was a big, always, that was a big part <laughs> of the disagreements in the the SAG strike was the the production companies and and producing groups wanted to be able to use our likenesses and voices in perpetuity, in perpetuity that's, which that's is was the amazing thing. I'm yeah. like, y'all actually wrote that down and thought anybody would agree to that? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and there's. It's not just, you know, down in L.A. with the big studios. I had a friend of mine who she works 
constantly as a commercial actor. She's mm-hmm. very, very, very booked for that. And she like posted on on Instagram. I saw uh, that she had been called in for something that wanted to pay like five hundred dollars to do a like face and body scan mm-hmm. for use in perpetuity. And that was here. Right. She didn't no. name the company, but it right. was some you know very well known Bay Area company. For your image, I believe Forever. so. Forever, yeah. you have no idea how they're going to use your image. No idea no how they're going to use it. it. No way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and she was like, you know, be aware of this. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. Which right. Makes sense to me. I wonder That's what she did. Are. Yeah. It's definitely where we are. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. It's a bit scary, but it's also. I mean, this is the future, and you know, let's see what 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 happens. Hmm. Um, I read a report that there's a ninety. There, people are doing research. Doctors are doing research on a ninety-three-year-old Irish man who has the body of a forty-year-old. He apparently won some rowing championship. Oh, and they're studying how his body is. I would guess you know hasn't aged so much. You know, uh, of huh. course he's wrinkly and all that sort of stuff, but he he is incredibly very very fit. So, jeez. Um, is he is he Benjamin Buttoning? <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Butter. I mean Benjamin Button. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe ben- Benjamin O Button. <laughs> uh, Sports Illustrated. I don't know if we miss Sports Illustrated, but that's. I mean, a, a lot of magazines just are gone, going. gone. They're not even going online. They're just gone. I, I think they're just gone. Oh um, yeah. Um, there's going to be a Back to the Future four. I thought that that series had totally gone. Mm-hmm. This is the last one that I want to point out. So. Florida, Ron DeSantos is at it again. He is eliminating sociology. I remember yeah. taking a sociology course. Right. They're getting rid of sociology. I'm like, nobody is going to want to have a degree from Florida. Why would you? Right. But I would think, I mean, yes, you know, they're trying to, you know, get rid of woke, you know, as woke as something's supposed Whatever to be evil. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he, he, found, he found his, like, scary, invisible monster that right. he can fight. Yeah. for political gain. Yeah. So there's not- always a, there's always a them. You know, like it was McCarthy, it was uh yeah. the Red Scare and yep. in the sixties it was hippies and then yep. the seventies is woke women, women who burned yep. their bras and yep. the eighties, well I don't forget what they what what the them was in the No, the eighties we turned around. The AIDS, 80s was AIDS, making gay money. people. Gay oh people. yeah, there yeah. was there yeah. was AIDS. Oh god. Nineties, oh my god, rap and hip hop and two live crew. And violent, then, violent video games. Yeah, exactly. Oh, violent right, video games. Right. That's mm-hmm. why Columbine happened, and then the odds. Right. Oh, There's right. always something. Just the reason L- that things are bad. <clears throat> oh my God, Latinos, and this is a crisis now. You mm-hmm. know, Latinos. We've lived with Latinos forever, but all of a sudden in 2010 it became a crisis. And right. Yeah. So it's it's really really crazy. And, and I'm thinking sociology. You need it. I mean, it's studying how people interact, think and yeah. interact. The it, dynamics. You know, the dynamics of, of group mm-hmm. so interaction. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that's what's happening. Let's I'm get- wondering if that'll slow down now that he's out of the race. If he will, is that I I can do Google is free. I could do my own research. Uh, is this like he on a state level? Banned sociology, that's what or is saying. well, he. Uh, I think it was a board. It's like a formal board of supervisors or whatever that mm-hmm. says that all. And this, this is that. This is not applied to private schools, right? Right. Okay. Public Uni- schools. University. University. So it's yeah. like the state yeah. run yeah, the state, and sponsored yeah. <clears throat> institutions won't offer sociology yeah, right. anymore. Old women in Florida don't want to have their tax dollars paying some woke, you know, <laughs> stuff. Wow. So their grandkids, you know, don't understand them anymore no whatever it's crazy any case let's get into an origin story uh brennan (laughs) (laughs) brennan uh what's the story behind the the hyphen uh pikmin 
Pikmin Thune. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's both of my parents' names. Right on. Uh, Pikmin is my dad's last name. Thune is my mom's last name. Awesome. And they when they got married they both they hyphenated and they both took both names oh, nice. and so mm-hmm. my sister and i both have both names also right on right on yeah uh were you born and raised here i grew up in uh, marin in okay. central san rafael and then um in middle school my parents well we all moved to lucas valley okay and Ooh. that's where my parents still live mm-hmm yeah, I'm nice. actually I'm driving out there today. I am um, taking my dad. I'm picking him up and uh, taking him into the city um, for an early birthday present. His birthday's oh, coming nice. up. Nice, really, really, yeah. really cool. Happy birthday, Dad! Yeah, mm-hmm. happy um, birthday, Dad! Were you involved? I hope you <laughs> like. I hope you like what we're doing tonight. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, he, I think you will. I think you will. He's um, so I'm taking him to uh, the Castro Theater. Uh-huh. Is doing a special screening. Of the re-release, the 4K re-release of uh, "Stop Making Sense" uh-huh. by the Talking oh, wow. Heads. Uh-huh. Hey, the like, legend, yeah, mm-hmm. the legendary yeah. Uh, concert film. Right, right. And I, I happen to know that he's a he's a big fan. Um, yeah. So I, I think it'll be fun. That sounds good. Yeah. And at the Castro, that yeah. yeah I wow. think the audience is going to be you know up you know and dancing are, in the yeah. aisles. I hope. Well, if he's an 80s teenager, he's probably my age. So uh, yeah. Talking Heads, that was, you know, New Wave, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, were you involved in theater when you were, uh, like, in high school? Did you Were you, like, a high school theater kid? I, I have been a sucker for theater since I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Um, there is, if you want to talk, like, origin story. Sure. Mm-hmm. There is a home video of me in kindergarten. Hmm. And it's, like, the kindergarten school play. It's not even a school play. It yeah. was, like... A adaptation of the story of the Three Little Pigs. Okay. Called the Three Piggy Opera. Oh, that's funny. I love it. <laughs> three Penny, Three Piggy. Yes. Exactly. And I wasn't <clears throat> even one of the pigs. I wasn't even, you know, mm-hmm. above the title. But uh, I played. I played everyone's favorite character, the Brick Seller. Okay. Yeah, I know. Oh, we all remember hey, the Brick hey. Seller, right? And uh, I had. That's important. <laughs> I had, I still remember this, uh, I had a little song that I sang when I came out, uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, which went, bricks I sell, bricks I sell, bricks the hardest kind, bricks I sell, <laughs> bricks I uh, sell, funny. the best you'll ever find. And you still remember that. <laughs> and there's home video of me coming out and doing this, which is uh, probably why I remember. And the song ends, and the audience claps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I get so excited, I like uh-huh. put down my prop, which was a big basket of Legos. Yeah. Right. And I just give a big thumbs up to my parents <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we remember those memories. And this is yeah. documented. <laughs> and this is, and I've seen. I probably wouldn't remember it, mm-hmm. you know, just. All sure. the way back to kindergarten, sure. but I've seen the video a few times, so yeah. which I, means your parents I, have been playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all. That's um, awesome. So that's uh, that's about as specific of an origin story as as I can mm. give you. Yeah. No. What about high school? Um, was there a, um, a, a arts? Was there like a mu- high school musical, or was there a theater program? Yeah, i i was I was doing um, like through elementary and middle. I was doing some acting. I actually worked at. Cal Shakes um, wow. when I was in middle school okay. um, for a couple shows. Um, and so then in high school, my parents were like, you know, we don't want you to do the whole child actor thing. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I did it through school, but they weren't really interested in pushing me to do it professionally, mm-hmm. you know, 
past a certain age. Sure. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't do a lot of musicals in high school. I went to Marin Academy okay. uh, in Marin and had incredible teachers mm-hmm. in high school. I had uh, Rob Melrose, who oh, yeah. uh, was the founder and, and uh, yeah, yeah ran Cutting Ball for a long time and now runs The Alley in mm-hmm. Houston. Right. Um, he was my freshman drama teacher wow. and, uh, and did a really weird, fun play called The Raven. Which oh. was uh, like Commedia dell'arte, and okay. everyone was wearing these crazy masks. Also featured in that uh, show was mm-hmm. Ariel Craft, who huh? eventually also went on to run Cutting Ball as well. Right. <laughs> um, and and then after Rob, I had David Sinaiko as a teacher in mm-hmm. high school, who's mm-hmm. a fantastic uh, local actor as well. Um, and uh, his wife Annie, who's yeah, I really credit them with like. Mm-hmm shaping me into someone who not just enjoyed it for the, you know, thumbs up to dad yeah. aspect, but yeah. like shaped me into someone who understood <clears throat> it from like an artistic perspective. Nice. Really, really nice. And, um, I know you went to NYU. Was that, uh, um, undergraduate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I have a BFA and nothing more. All right. <laughs> All right. What was your experience in New York? I, I loved, I loved New York. I mean, I, I think part of the reason I wanted to go to NYU in the first place was mm-hmm. to get to experience New York. Right. Um, I loved growing up in the Bay Area, and mm-hmm. one of the only reasons I was willing to leave here <laughs> was mm-hmm. to go to a city like New York. Sure. Um, and I, I think it was a nice way to, especially at like, I was probably 17 when I went to, or 18 when I went to college. Mm-hmm. And like at that age, it would have been hard to just like, start living in new york Mm -hmm. you know just out of with nothing else there yeah but being in school there you know you had a built-in place to live through the dorms you had a community through the people that you were in studio with Mm -hmm. and it was sort of like getting to move to new york but like with training wheels on Mm -hmm. which uh, you know was fantastic and i think a lot of people when they graduate from school immediately launch themselves into moving to New York or moving to LA and they have to just figure out everything all at once. Right. And I felt lucky in that I didn't really have to do that by the time I graduated. I'd been living there for four years. Right. Now, did you work after school or during school? Um, They didn't encourage us to work during school Mm -hmm. that much because I think the idea was like, you're here, you're getting training. Yeah. It was a conservatory style thing where, you know, we were there for 10, not 12 hours a day, but like 10 hours a day, Sure, yeah, three to four days a week. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a lot of time for other work, especially theater work where it would take up uh, a big chunk of your day. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, after college, I, you know, did the young, broke New York artist thing for a few years, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm glad I was in my early 20s when I did that. I mm-hmm. don't think I would have the energy to do that now, Yeah, because um, right. I was working full-time at the same time at the Apple store. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's... It was it was definitely interesting. You definitely saw a like real cross section of humanity. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I was there in the late '80s, early '90s. It was even <laughs> crazier then. Uh-huh. But um, now you and I were talking off mic. You went to Stella Adler. Yes. Uh, and I went to Circle in the Square. What was the experience of Stella Adler? I loved Adler. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fantastic training. Um, 
I did it for all four years that mm-hmm. I was there. Um, after two, you could, if you wanted to, flip to a different studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I chose not to because I really, I thought the teachers were great. I really liked the the community of fellow actors. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's really straightforward, foundational training, no matter what you want to be doing, whether mm-hmm. it's film or, or stage or even like commercial work. Like you can take the principles of script analysis and like building character and the ways that you can tweak and unlock your imagination to work for you as an actor. Mm-hmm. I think all of that training was really fantastic. And you're applying it now, like in the shows that you've been in. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think ideally when I'm working on a show, you know, I start with 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 what comes sort of naturally. Sure. And then if I run into difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. if I if I find a scene or, or a line or, or a motivation challenging, you know, I'm going to work with my collaborators. I'm right. going to lean on my fellow actors, on mm-hmm. my director, um, just to make sure that <clears throat> I'm not about to charge up the wrong hill. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also going to lean on my training and just see like, okay, what do I have in my back pocket that can sort of click through this. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way of thinking. We Norman and I we've talked a lot about, you know, the the merits, the good and the bad of studying acting. Mm-hmm. And we've come to the conclusion that usually you have to unlearn your bad habits if you have a lot of bad habits coming in. So mm-hmm. it helps that. And also if you run into a script where you really need some sort of, I don't know, foundation or something other than your natural talents, it helps. Yeah. I feel like it's almost like um kind of like a peak like valley peak valley sure for me like when i first take a script i want to i want to feel instinct like Mm -hmm. i want to see where i go with it naturally without applying too much intellectual intellectualization sure right off the bat yeah uh and then sort of in the middle of the process you know once i've had that experience Mm -hmm. that's when i really want to get more granular Mm -hmm. apply specific technique you know slow it down really go through with with a, a fine-tooth comb and and apply specific techniques to the script or to the scene right exactly and then by the time I get to actual performance mm-hmm. I kind of want to let that go exactly so that so I'm not just happen yeah, yeah so that I'm not thinking about like oh well you know I decided on this line I was going to play this intention right. when I'm on stage yeah so yeah I think that's that's sort of the you know, less, more, less that I tend to like. Yeah, I was going to point it back to you, Norman, as a director. Mm. When you when you uh, work with actors, I'm sure there's a, a little bit of time you have just doing script analysis or talking, but oh, yeah. how, how many actors come to you, regardless of what piece you're working on, to say, hey, can we talk about my role or whatever, or is it more... If you find... Let me, let me ask a question this way. Do you find that more actors come to you if they're having an issue... Or do you have to come to them to say, hey, are you having an issue? Wow. When you first started to frame that, I was like, well, no, there's individuals that come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like to do is just shape. I'm worried about the piece. Yeah. So I'm just trying to shape the piece with the tools that I have, including the mm-hmm. talents or limitations mm-hmm. of the actors. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's something exciting about 
throwing away your idea because this actor <clears throat> mm-hmm. is going at it a different way or maybe just can't do what you're asking him to do. Like, for example, I was thinking about the Baldwin Project, but also before The Dream, mm-hmm. when you work with Tandiwe, you work with Tandiwe on Baldwin and you right. also worked with uh, Gary Moore right. on uh-huh. Baldwin. And I'm sure you had to talk more to Gary. Hey, listen, this is what Baldwin is about and this is what we're doing and you may want to think of your role as this and that and the oh, other. What was useful in terms of that was just... It was almost like thinking about different characters. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this actor, and he's playing this character. It was funny because there was a little bit of the young Baldwin and a little bit of the 52-year-old Baldwin. Right. And Gary's in between. Yeah, so exactly. He wasn't. He doesn't really have a young energy. He mm-hmm. definitely doesn't have an old man energy. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, just what is the core of the story? And yeah. let that tell the thing. Uh, what I love are actors who do have their ideas about what they want to do that may not be my idea. If it fits within the story, I love letting the story add that in. Because mm-hmm. what I learned a long time ago is if I try to make you do what's in my head, even mm-hmm. if I accomplish it, yeah, that might be all the audience is seeing on stage is yeah. what I wanted to happen on stage. Yeah. And that drives me crazy as an actor. I'm like, yeah. I can't get in your mind, Mr. Director or Madam Director. Right. <laughs> I'm not giving you what you want me to see. I can only give you what I have. Right. And I was going to bring it back to Tandui. I'm sure you had had to talk less to Tandiwe because I'm sure he had an idea of what Baldwin was. No, Tandiwe asked a lot of questions. Oh, Even interesting. Even to this day, Tandiwe asked a <laughs> okay. lot of questions. Yeah. Um, and so it's so funny because we talk about that. He's uh, producing in Atlanta. Atlanta. And he said the shows that he creates are largely inspired by the process that we went through. That's awesome. So yeah, I, you know, it's it's different with different folks. One of the things I wanted to touch on is us in home, mm-hmm. um, because we were oh, you guys did home word for word. Yeah, with word at, for at word. At Z below, right? Hmm? Yeah, it's Z, Z below, below and yes. then and then in Paris. That's right, en France. <laughs> but. We were creating, because of the word-for-word style, you are creating characters that are not even the writer's intention. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if you're a broken stove, if I'm a pile of newspaper, <laughs> no writer thought about that wow. as a character. As this, is not a object. this is as not a, a hypothetical. These were actual characters that yeah. we played in it. I was a broken oven, and he was a pile of newspapers. Hey, wonderful. And we spent so much effing time <laughs> trying to figure out how to get it right, and then getting set pieces that didn't allow us to do whatever we had spent all this time trying to craft, or costumes that didn't... I had a costume once that was completely just ridiculous newspaper <laughs> yep um you look yeah. like a like a halloween ghost made of newspaper yeah funny, yeah funny. i may as well yeah. have been right one yeah. of the uh, the um christmas carol <laughs> ghost yeah, yeah, yeah. ghost of newspapers of whatever, yeah, yeah. ghost of newspaper but present what was neat was to see that process to keep evolving first we're all just sort of yes i'm going to try and give you what you want but also i'm trying to figure this out for myself so I'm trying my own things, and it was a joy to watch you in that process as you would craft characters where we weren't, we still didn't really understand what it was we were putting on stage, and then having to shift, and finally getting to the place where and it happens to me in art all the time. I take a pose, and it's a long pose, so I take a break, and I come back to that pose, and somebody says, your nose is in the wrong place. And you try to as politely as you can say, actually, I can't move my nose <laughs> right you know so maybe there's something else maybe the chair moved or maybe the light moved but my nose doesn't move and it was neat to be in the process and to feel that kind of i'm giving you everything you want 
I'm giving you something that actually makes sense, and now you want me to do something else that you cannot articulate because we are still crafting this. It was it was amazing. It it is a really interesting style to work in. Like um, the past couple of years, I've gotten lucky enough to work with Word for Word twice, right? And I'm still very much new to that process because they have a core company and a lot of the people they work with mm-hmm. have been doing that style for, for years. Right. And uh, as someone who is adopting it and adapting to it, it's it's totally a new bag from <laughs> your sort of standard naturalistic style of acting. Right. But it's so much fun. I was, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get to work um, with Dan Wolf. Uh, mm-hmm. on a workshop for Word for Word okay. um, just this past week. And oh, nice. we, we went up to Santa Rosa Junior College mm-hmm. and taught a workshop for a couple hours. The students there are learning, I think this is really smart, their acting class is teaching them three non-naturalistic acting styles oh, and techniques, cool. which is fantastic. so, so smart. Yeah. And one of those styles is the Word for Word style. Right, right. Um, and so we went up there to lead a workshop on that. Um, and you know, getting to teach it after doing it on stage, but mm-hmm. having never really had to articulate how to do it to other people, yeah. right. I think really helped me sharpen my own understanding yeah. of that technique. Yeah. Because knowing how to do something in your own body is one thing, but knowing how to do it well enough yeah. to impart that yeah. to yeah. someone else no greater really to reinforce elevates you your own. To teach it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask, how, the, how are the young... I'm always interested in how young people are learning, I don't know, theater or whatever, or their attention span rather than, you know, let's say the previous generations. I mean, maybe this is more of a question for you, Norman, because well, <laughs> you've, yeah. you've had to direct multiple generations of, yeah, of folks. I, I, I think it's all, it's, what I've learned more than anything is I'm learning. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's the process. I'm coming in, so I got pulled in, probably the most recent thing I've done was I got pulled into... Um, do Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. basically scene work, Romeo and Juliet. Mm. So I didn't cast these people. I barely know what they're doing. I don't really know what the goal is with it. I just know that we need them to be on their feet doing yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we got to do the friar scene where uh, Juliet threatens to kill herself. And he comes up with the, oh, we're going to get a potion and we're going to give it to you. And it's going to make it seem like you're dead. And they're going to put you in the crypt. And we'll send Romeo a letter, and everything is going to work out. Um, and the guy playing the friar, the kid playing the friar, the girl playing Juliet was, of course, just, this is my scene, and I'm going to act. <laughs> right. And dude is just kind of like, well, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not really. And I'm like, no. A young woman in front of you is telling you that she is upset, and she will kill herself if you don't help her. And you didn't expect this. And in the moment, you need to come up with the solution, and we need to see the moments as you put it together. By the time the the period was over, this kid was just like he wasn't ready to leave the room. He was <laughs> there. You go. On the other <laughs> hand, awesome. I've done um, Crucible there. Cause Crucible is kind of a staple in their in their it's high school. Yeah, Arthur Miller. Yeah, and um, the girls playing the friends of Abigail just thought they were going to sit on their ass for the trial scene, and I'm like. <laughs> Um, so if they decide that you guys are lying, you might die. 
you will definitely be kicked yeah. out. You will probably you're end up in burn jail in the stake. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of yeah. If they decide you're witches, oh my god, it's all over. So yeah, every moment that is happening in that scene, <clears throat> you need you can't wait till the end of the scene when you have to back Abigail up as she starts yet yeah. another lie. Yeah. You, the whole time, need to be... And the guy that was playing the sort of bailiff character, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who, again, had like two lines in the scene. So he's like, well, I just sit here. I'm like, no. These little girls are either lying, and that is an affront to your whole community, and your job will be to put them in jail. Or they really have connected with God, and they are the voice of God, and you better treat them right. Because they've got a direct line. So, again, every moment of that scene, I want to see you paying attention. Mm-hmm. Now, he, and I did like three classes back-to-back doing this, the guys generally kind of picked up their game a little bit. Mm-hmm. They at least paid attention. Yeah. The girls were kind of mixed, so I'm yelling at them at certain <laughs> moments in the scene. I'm like, whoa, I'm sorry, excuse me. What's going on right now in the scene? How does it affect you? Are, are, you don't care? You don't care? Because that's what you're showing me. You don't care. Hmm. So could you show me you actually fucking care? Hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the job to be. I mean, let's say you teach acting and these kids may not never, ever be actors, but you're at least teaching them what motivation is, you know, yeah. what is mm-hmm. objective is. And that could be applied to anything in life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you... You've got bills to pay. If you don't pay this bill right now or figure out, you know, how you're going to structure your budget, then you may be kicked out of your home or you may screw up your credit rating or it could be in relationships. It's exciting when you see a kid get the idea and then run with it in their own direction. So, again, not what I'm telling them to do. Right. What they have discovered. Yeah. 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 That is awesome. Do you enjoy comedy? Do you enjoy, uh, (laughs) I don't know. um, I mean, what, what is your type of stuff that you like to do i i do enjoy comedy i i love a comedic role i think i get cast and i'm oh yeah let's make sure we get that yeah <laughs> we're drinking and eating it's all good <laughs> no it's good because we're recording the sound effects record at yeah the same time. yeah there we you can go double up on this um <laughs> so um I think I I really enjoy comedy. I'm drawn to that, especially as a as a writer. That's what I tend to, oh, to you're gravitate a too. towards. Awesome. Yeah, well, fit, in fits and starts. Sure. But I I think that comedy is really appealing to me because you can do so much with comedy. Like I think if if there is a artistic or you know political or social or cultural message that you want to be in service of that you want to sort of put out into the world yeah it's comedy is the greatest trojan horse Mm -hmm. for something that you are trying to impart yeah that like because if you if you come out with like somber didactic very much like yeah, you're preaching this is what I think and it is also what you should think right and people react to that yeah, you know right. understandably like what are you talking who are you What's, right why, why do I care yeah whereas if you can get people laughing mm-hmm. if you can provide that kind of you know, uh, the, the carrot of mm-hmm. a little bit of entertainment, right. then you have their buy-in. You have the the possibility of making them laugh and then afterwards having them go, huh. Yep. What? I didn't mention this, but Jon Stewart is back with uh, The Daily Show. 
Oh, yeah. He's very. That's, that's he's always been very good at that. The minute, the minute you mentioned that, I mentioned yeah, you know, because I, and I think he's coming back because of twenty twenty four. Yeah, because he's, if anyone's going uh, to I get think a the mess, schedule is his Mondays. He's doing Mondays. Oh, is that right? Yeah, but I, he was. I mean, I think that's why he was so. When when I was growing up, he was a huge, you know, part of of my understanding of not only comedy but also the world. You right. know, he he did a very important thing with the Daily Show that he. Yep genuinely provided news coverage mm-hmm. uh, and also delivered it in such a way that you wanted to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I think he hit this really incredible balance of journalistic integrity and never losing sight of the gag. Exactly. Exactly. I remember when it was the aughts. I was working with a, a group, uh, Bay Stage, and uh, they were these guys from New Hampshire, college kids, and they were like, hey, man, you got to watch The Daily Show. got to watch The Daily Show. I was like, okay, what's the big deal? And I saw Jon Stewart, and I'm like, okay, well, this is like Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's like, what the F is it take to get this guy, I think it was, I don't know, Mitch Romney or somebody, mm-hmm. to be fired or whatever? And I was like, wow. I never heard someone just be so raw. Right. Or just, you know. Right. There's always like an id, something that you want to say, but you, you know. You know, people are just too polite to say it, and all of a sudden, you'll just drop it just like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow. So you're absolutely right. Yes, The Daily Show has been a a strong cultural influence, mixing comedy in with some very, very serious stuff so that more people can take it in and absorb it and and talk about it and laugh about it as well, Mm -hmm. even things you wouldn't want to laugh about. Well, the... The show that Norman's understudying right now, Big Data, Big Data yeah. has I I also auditioned for that, so I, I read the script for it, uh-huh. and like that's a show that has some very big ideas, yeah, and I think deploys humor, very dark humor, mm-hmm. in support of those big ideas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the show that's uh, just about to to open at Berkeley Rep, mm-hmm. uh, Cult of Love, mm-hmm. that is a show that has you know a lot to say about family a lot to say about politics and religion and like mm. big sort of hot yeah. button kind of things but does it in a way that is framed by this very dark family comedy yeah mm-hmm. and i think you know the way that the way that these very skilled playwrights are deploying the jokes in service of these big ideas mm-hmm. i i think it's going to allow an audience to access it, enjoy it, and also come away with more than, you know, something that might be more directly just saying those things straight to you. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, love can be a cult. Just think about it, a cult of love. I got to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> it should be good. Yeah. Um, the business side of it, I mean, have you, have you, are you, are you satisfied with what you're doing now? Do you have an agent? Uh, are you getting the roles that you want? Um, are you frustrated? Are you satisfied? I think right now I am a little on the frustrated, wish I was doing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I am trying to zen my way uh, into a, a better headspace about that because to be totally honest, like 2023 was a really fantastic year for me as an actor. Mm -hmm. And I got to do some really amazing stuff that I'd never done before. Norman and I got to go to France, like getting to, getting to take a show. I got to do karaoke in France. (laughs) That's true. That is true. I'm still on their list. 
I still, we gotta go yeah. back to that town. That was Norman and I are uh, are royalty in, in Angers, in <laughs> Angers, right. France. Hey, they love us in Angers. Oh, uh, you guys should have recorded it. We we went to this we went to this little like cafe. Yeah, because you know I'm a freak and I look up where karaoke is wherever I am uh-huh. uh, and and it said that this cafe did karaoke and it really it was just this little like you know mm-hmm. little, little tiny storefront bar cafe it really was almost and nothing <laughs> they put a microphone like directly in front of the front door of the place so, like you open the door and the microphone is like right mm, in your face yeah, yeah, yeah. and we went there with the cast and yeah. had a great time and the owner was like so welcoming and, and oh you're from California it's so wonderful <laughs> so nice to meet you right um <laughs> And and so the next night we went back yeah, and they, they had, had a live band session. and there were a bunch of them that were there that night saying mm-hmm. come tomorrow tomorrow yeah and we're like, we oh, have okay. live music tomorrow you must come tomorrow nice, nice. and we went back and yeah. like they had they were we were we like walking the door they're like California <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually we were we were basically a two man jukebox they were just yeah. you know they put us up in front of the band oh, no, the and they were yelling came, just the two of you? the second night no I think yeah. it was just two of okay us. it just like downing pastis and singing songs for the French oh my people. God. Oh, that is awesome. What, yeah. what a moment. And and so, like, I got to do that, and I got to travel with another show to Princeton, New Jersey, nice. to perform at the McCarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being over there for a month, you know. Who was I, that with? That was Berkeley Rep. So there was oh, a co-production a of yeah. Bull Rusher mm-hmm. um, that was uh, Berkeley Rep and the McCarter, and I was an understudy on that. Right, right. And the actually the whole... All but one of the understudy crew on that were local Bay Area people, mm-hmm. um, which Berkeley Rep gotta give them kudos. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are bringing in more local it. people. Yeah, yeah. We need to see it's, them on stage. It's their, be nice. <laughs> that's true, but I think you know it's, it's moving. Happening. I think yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to do that, and yeah, so I got to be over on the East Coast, uh, and then I got to come back and do uh, cover like every young male track as an understudy on Christmas Carol. Okay, yeah, <laughs> um, and. For both shows that I understudied, I did get to go on in, gotcha. in the roles that I was covering, and you which paid, you don't always get to do. Yeah, right. And you were paid yeah. appropriately. And I was paid delightfully. <laughs> yeah, excellent. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. being being in equity is kind of a mixed bag a lot of sure. the time, yeah, but sure. when you get on a nice contract, it does feel, it does feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's good. And so we'll hope 2424, you know, gets there as well. So you're not having any issues being with equity because we've had a lot of folks on who are like, I'm in the Bay Area. I'm just not going to get a lot of work if I'm equity. It I don't is, know if that's true anymore because more people well, are doing I, it. I think it's true. But I think everybody has to decide what they're going to do. For me, because Mara and I talked about it, and I said, I mean, it's not like I'm going to, you know, go up and do a show in Seattle. And she said, I would love that if you would do that. And I thought, wait a minute, are you trying to get rid of me? (laughs) She sounds like she wants to go too. It would be so great to Uh come see you in another city doing a show. Mm, Yeah. And I suddenly went, oh, so San Diego, I got family. L.A., I got family. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll pay a little more to... Attention to what, and Portland, mm-hmm. I have family, you know, so Seattle, I have a friend in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I would have to say, hey man. Norman, can I, can I ask you, yeah. you know, now that you're sort of more open to that, is mm-hmm. that something that you've been able to pursue? Like, have you been able to audition for and be considered for stuff out of town? Um, I looked, I just looked before I went down to San Diego to see my mom, um, to see what was available there, and 
there were a couple of places that were like, yeah, you could submit. And I'm like, yeah, I've got, thanks to the lockdown, I've got a ton of fucking video of things that I'd happily say, yeah, take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't really, I haven't made, you know, I haven't connected yet. I haven't gotten anywhere with that yet, but I'm, I wasn't open to it before. And now I'm like, fuck, why not? And especially with LA, you know, especially with, I've been driving the last couple of times. I've been back and forth a lot watching my father, my stepfather die. Um, so, well, the drive was the perfect thing. There's nothing else. You're just by yourself. Your thoughts can go wherever they need to go. Mm. And and then you get off the road and you're exhausted. So you don't have any bandwidth to kind of go to the emotional place. So you crash. You go to sleep. And then you wake up and you're there. And you're like, okay, so what are we doing? So I did get in touch with some theaters down there and... Yeah, I'm like, okay, that would be great. And I'm going to follow up because I'm going back. I now have a cavity. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to my here, here he comes, Tijuana. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I'm going to be back down in April. And I'm like, oh, it would be nice if I could set some meetings up and just try to talk to some people. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm totally excited at the idea because the opposite is also true. If I got a couple of days off, I could come back up, be home. Mm-hmm. You know, for a night or two, yeah, and then go back. I, I'm super interested in how this pans out for you because my feeling about the Bay is that we have a few really fantastic theaters here, mm-hmm. but a few, yeah, um, right. especially as a as a union actor, there right, are only right, right. there are only so many theaters that hire equity. There are only so many shows in their seasons and there are only so many roles in those shows that yeah. any any one of us is going to be right for right yeah and. Golden when? Thread. Golden Thread's about to have their generals. And I said, oh, I got in touch with them. And then I looked at what the season was. Mm-hmm. And I went, there's really not a role in this yep. for me. So if I me do neither. it, it's just to kind of go, hi, wanted you to look at me. Hope you're tempted. And maybe there'll be a future conversation. Yeah. I, I had the same thing. I, the the Magic just posted for their generals. And oh, yeah, I, yeah. I looked at their season and it's like, well, yeah, not not this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but when you open it up to the uh, the possibility well, of the that's, other theaters, that's what I'm thinking. I, I, my my thinking on this was for a while and kind of still is that like it might be nice to live in a larger market like an L.A. or a New York mm-hmm. and have access to all of the places right. that actually audition there because. Almost every oh, major yeah. regional theater does in-person auditions, at the very least, generals, sometimes specific EPAs for specific shows, yep. in those places, yep. in a way that like almost nowhere auditions specifically in San Francisco right. for anywhere else in the country. Yeah, and they like, used to, there's, a long time ago, mm-hmm. they used to. And like, there's yes, there's self tapes, and like I've done the like submitting self tapes for mm-hmm. you know anywhere that would consider out of town actors. Right. But it does feel to me like the especially for theater, New York actors mm-hmm. have this kind of oh, heat yeah, on them mm-hmm. because of their zip code. Sure. Um, that, and also, they're spending a lot of money on these you know things. They're not just doing it on their phones, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's expensive to produce a really high quality self tape. Right. You gotta get the backdrop. You gotta get the lighting. You gotta right. have a nice mic. You gotta have a nice mic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you gotta, gotta learn that one. A piece that I've done for years, 
suddenly when we're videotaping every time I turn my head right and then yeah. come, it was like okay and if Reg you, you live where we live you gotta hope that no trains go by exactly right <laughs> so you don't have a soundproof you gotta time it yeah place yeah, yeah. so yeah it's it's tough and uh, but I was also thinking if you could have cause I'm thinking you know cause as a director you're looking at resumes and if you see someone oh wait a minute he's done something in Chicago and in L.A. or whatever. Well, I'm thinking what I would do for those other places is to, because I haven't sent a resume out yet, mm-hmm. um, is to say across my resume, I, I'll put across the top, you know, I'll probably do it in red or something, um, local housing available. I have local housing available. There you go. Smart. So that I can be, because for San Diego, that would mean I would stay at my mom's house. Mm-hmm. I would get to spend all this time with my mom. But I'd be doing a show and making a living, so yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't great. need the per diem. I don't need all the rest of that. Yeah. So are you thinking, Brennan, uh, do you do you see yourself in five years staying here, or do you want to venture other places? That is such a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's really just going to depend on what what the next couple of years hold for sure. both me and, and for my partner who I live with. Okay. Um, she, uh, my partner, Sierra Ice, fantastic mm-hmm. local actor, Amazing. director, oh, uh, producer. Oh, sure, should have brought her too. Um, uh. If she gets her own app, she deserves <laughs> her own app. Um, she is applying to uh, MFA directing programs. Nice. Uh, okay. um, and so, you know, if she were to get into one of those, mm-hmm. then uh, that's a whole new conversation about right. like, okay, where are we moving? Right. Um, and is it close to, or in a, a market, market in which yeah. I can work. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know, something could develop there. I could end up getting cast in a bunch of shows here. I could end up getting cast in no shows here. Right. And that would tip the decision one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally hear you. And I think, honestly, in, in, in a, you know, total wave of magic wand, mm-hmm. uh, Blue sky future. Yeah. It would be incredible because I have family here. Yeah. It would be incredible to, to do both. It would be incredible right. to live in New York mm-hmm. and be out here and keep working here because that, I that love this. Cast. That would get you cast here. That's what they say. <laughs> they do say that if you want to work oh, in the Bay Area, move to New York. They it's do say that. Fortunate, but oh, I watched that. it with Coleman. Coleman, Coleman Domingo, Domingo. Yeah. Moved to New York. I hope he wins that Oscar. Cal That'd be so cool, wouldn't it? And then Berkeley Rep. So he would do a summer with Cal Shakes, and then Berkeley Rep would either picking up at the beginning of their season or the end of the season to try and piggyback. Mm-hmm. And he did that. You know, there were more for us for a cycle of years. There were more times that he was out for the summer than when he wasn't. And also, remember, great to not be in New York for the middle part of the summer because that is horrible. Mm-hmm. When you have to get on the subway and the air just just not moving and it's humid, humid. that is the. Oh, yeah. I would so much rather be here. <laughs> well, I bump into him walking down Telegraph one day, mm-hmm. and we start talking. And I said, "Coma Domingo, New York actor," and he said, "Norman, in New York, I am a bartender." <laughs> Because everyone, everyone, and now is, yeah. he is—he's not a bartender Academy no more. Award nominee, <laughs> he sure is. Yeah, but it is a cruel irony to order to order to get on the big stage here. Mm-hmm. You have to move to New York, make a name for yourself there, and then you'll get a call from ACT. Well, and I don't know so much. Instead of them name, recognizing the local work, talent right here, you get a little bit of work, and you've got that address, mm-hmm. and they're going to go, "Oh, yeah, we remember Brennan. How are you? Mm-hmm. What's happening?" So we wanted to suddenly talk you're to you. a little bit more of a get. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, you know, this is all. 
actor complaininess. Like, I, mm-hmm. I do have to give credit to uh, Katie at ACT and Karina at Berkeley Rep, who mm-hmm. are really making a serious, concerted effort to yeah. bring in local talent. They are, yeah. Um, and, and I think credit to them and to the companies for prioritizing that yeah. in a way that, you know, hasn't always been the case in yeah. the past. And I understand the business because you want to bring in an audience who may not be theater folks. They just want, they want to see that name. Who yeah. is the big name? Oh, BD Wong. Now I'm going to go. And you know what? I think, I think that's, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, would have been nice if I was in the show. But other than that, yeah. I think they did a really good job casting sure. Big Data yeah. in that they have both. They yeah. have a name. B.D. Wong's incredible. Sure. And they also have the rest of the cast is like really fantastic oh local talent. Gosh, yes. mm-hmm. And I think that that's... And also, it connects our local actors with these big deal people, which right. really could help their careers. So and you schmooze with B.D. Wong, he sees exactly. you, you know, do a rehearsal. Norman gets to hang out with... something else. You well, get a phone I, call. I get to sit in the back of the room. It's literally in the contract. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay in the back of the room, and you better have a flashlight or a pen with a light on oh, it. Oh, God. But you know what I'm saying. If B.D. Wong is impressed with whatever you do, mm-hmm. if you yeah. get to show your stuff, all of a sudden you may get a call from someone you've never known. He has been so gracious. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's funny, because Jed said this to me. That it's like you're getting a master class. Mm-hmm. You get to sit in the room and realize, as an understudy, you don't get to make the character your own in the same way that you would if it was just yours. You've got responsibilities to the show, to the other cast members. They expect that guy to be over there doing that. You've got to do that. If you're going to do something different, you better give somebody a heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may not be allowed to. So understudying is how can I still do that work that I want that mm-hmm. roots the character for me, yeah, and still fulfill those obligations. And it is it's a master class because you sit there going, I'm looking at my lines now, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to see what he does with this line. I know what I would do with it, and then I'd get feedback from the director, and that's how we would shape it. I don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch, if I'm lucky, I will watch him go through that process mm-hmm. with the director yeah. and know why those choices are being made. Yeah. So that if I do feel like this possibility of other choices, yeah. it still fits within, within yeah. the structure. It's of, almost like a backup quarterback. You, know, you have a backup quarterback, mm-hmm. the offense is geared towards the main quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. But if that main quarterback goes down, you still have to fit what you're doing. For right. the offense, of course, I'm thinking playoffs. Yeah, we're, we're all thinking <laughs> about tomorrow. But it's interesting talking about right. being an understudy because you think someone else is going to be an understudy and they have to understand. Mm-hmm. It's not just you, you know, waiting and, you know, just, you know, and you've got your own little world of mm-hmm. your character. It really does have to fit in with what the piece is about and what the other folks are doing. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's so it's exciting. It's its own challenge. Like, and then that, that part of... Um, how is that career-wise going to... Well, one, you just have to kind of show up and be you. <laughs> Don't be shy about that. Beyond that, I, I, f- I feel like I really just have to kind of be me. And if that resonates for somebody, that's great. What is surprising to me is how many people are in their production team now. They've got some serious folk who I know and have known for a while. And when somebody sees me and goes, Oh, Norman... And I'm like, oh, fuck. I know who you are. I didn't know you knew who I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's no hiding. There's no, mm-hmm. I'm just going to quietly sit here. No. I better just get comfortable and be present. And I think if it's a good, if it's a production that's being run 
well that run conscientiously, you shouldn't feel separate as right. part of an understudy team right. because especially in the world that we live in now, mm-hmm. understudies are more important than they've ever been because if you more if you go, go you're more likely to yeah. go on and you're more likely to stay on yeah because mm-hmm. you never know cause somebody gets it. somebody gets covid they're out for a minimum amount of time yep. yeah. you're at least getting a weekend of shows yep, probably yep, yep. more yep. um and so that means for the production they have to take understudy seriously they have to hire mm-hmm. real actors not cheap actors right, right. they have to rehearse us and you know, yeah. I, I, you know, after doing back-to-back understudy gigs on Bull Rusher and and Christmas Carol, I have just a whole new level of appreciation for a uh, director and stage manager and like production creative team that have an understanding of we're going to give our actors the rehearsal process that they need, and we're also going to make sure that we are covered. Yep. If one of them is is out, yep, yep, because that like you know show must go on, go on, you know even if you're bleeding from the leg, that that mm. is not was never healthy, right, and right. is hopefully going to become less and less of a thing. Yeah, and there's no need to to abuse the actor. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking, as the understudy, you have to stay healthy. You have oh, to, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you think about your health in a way that you've never thought of before. It's like, hey, listen, I cannot afford to have COVID or to have anything go on. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, the actor is sick. You're on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I can't. There's, there's no such thing as that. They're paying well, you to, they, to be there. They again put this in the contract um, to make it easier because you can't. We can't be away. We literally have to be within 15 minutes of the theater. That's right. Every show, and up until the actor makes their last entrance. It's actually laid Mm. out in the contract. Yeah. Up until the actor makes their last entrance. And they said, because we've had actors go out in the middle of a show. And I went, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But that also means that those eight shows, we have to see half of them anyway. Yeah. The other half, though, I may as well be in the green room because where the hell else am I going to hang out every night, right. 15 minutes from the theater? I got really lucky on Bull Rusher. I'm, I'm close enough here. I, I happen to live close enough to the theater that I was able to you mm-hmm. know, be within the required distance. Um, but yeah, for, for Carol, I had to be there all show, every show. In the city, yeah. So every, every company has different policies around it, right. probably based on like how completely screwed they have gotten in the past by someone going down mid-show. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. It's fascinating. From a tech perspective, I remember uh, a couple of theater companies have called me, oh my God, we just fired a stage manager. We need you right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a couple of those, but uh, mm. no, it's, it's cool. This is a cool conversation to talk about the role of the understudy and how important that is. So we passed the hour mark. Um, um, birthdays. Oh, before I do that, plugs. Uh, I just got my haircut from Charles Blades Barbershop. Yes, you did. <laughs> and they are our sponsor of the A. Uh, they are located at 182nd Street in downtown Oakland. It's a very cool, relaxing place where you can get your hair cut, and they'll serve you a complimentary drink. They also sell hair products, hair gels, pomades, shampoos, and conditioners. Hop online, give their products a try, and support minority business like my man Charles Blades. Book an appointment online at cbb.hair. Mm. Also, Plethos Productions, we're very, very excited. So, uh, Norman and I, we are going to be doing a live in front of an audience, yay, podcast. Whoa. Um, It'll be part of the um, Plethos Productions fundraising campaign. 
Um, Plethos is hosting a retreat at Camp Monologa on the weekend of July 26th through the 28th, along with a host of teaching classes by some of the best Bay Area theater artists like... um, Oh, what's um our Dorian Dorian Lockett? Uh, Dorian Lockett. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I yeah. think also Margot will probably be there Margo too. Hall. Yeah. The Margot Hall. I think I think they did talk to Margot about this. Yep. Yes. Yep. So uh, and we'll be there too. So uh, the we'll be hosting a live episode taping. Plus there will be gourmet kid camp inspired food by Mad Creations served at the mess hall. There'll be a swimming hole, mine paint night, and so much more. Um, so basically what Plethos is doing is they want to have a space in downtown um, Hayward. Or and, Castro Valley, is it Hayward? Well, they want to do it in Hayward. Okay. Uh, the the, uh, the Camp Monloga, that's that's in Castro, that's in Castro, that's in Castro Valley. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the fundraiser. And there is a link, uh, givebutter.com slash letsplethos. So they're doing a hmm. fundraising thing. This is part of the fundraising. And they called us and said, hey, would you be a part of this? And we were like, hey, that's fantastic. So I'm very, very excited. I have no idea what our guest is going to be or how we're going to engage we'll the audience. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so that's very, very cool. Okay, birthdays. Uh, birthdays. I usually avoid non-theater people, but Elaine Daniels is Elizabeth Carter's wife. So today right. is her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, John Ritchie. I didn't hey. know if you were going to say that one. but Corinne's husband? Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, his birthday. Um, uh, well, her, her husband, but also major That's right. co-producer. Co-producer of Plethos. Um, and, ah. you know, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they work very hard. Uh, Maurice Jamal, somebody I went to San Francisco State. Actually, I met him when I was at San Francisco State with a group of people. I'm not sure he was actually a student. But in any case, amazing actor, director. Uh, Tony Alderondo, um, wonderful poet, actor, performer. Uh, Michael Kelly. I find myself looking for certain types sometimes when I'm casting. So when I meet a really solid Asian-American actor, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is great. And as soon as I called him up, he was like, no, I live in L.A. now. Okay, (laughs) actors. (laughs) I'm going to skip this one because I bet you have it. Victoria Evans Irville. Um, We actually met when we were working for the African American Shakespeare Company. And we have both moved on and do other things. In Mm -hmm. fact, I'm not sure what she's doing now, but they were she was a part of the team that was uh, running uh, theater first before they decided to take a break. Mm. Uh, William Hodges. Hodges? Hodge. I think he's just a Hodge. Thomas, William Thomas Hodge is this amazing guy. Oh, yeah. Actor. He's um, in um, Every Brilliant Thing, right? Oh, is he? I, I, oh, I, he keeps uh, directed, working. By, uh, directed by uh, Lowe, Jeffrey Lowe. Yeah, yeah, up at Central Works. No, uh, yes? Center Rep. Center Rep. Center Rep, Center yes. Rep. Rep. <laughs> uh, Sean Lim um, was the artistic director of the Asian American Theater Company back when they were. I think the company. I think they've somebody has held onto the name, but they haven't been producing in forever. Sean was amazing, and last I heard, he was like in Hong Kong doing radio. Um, Annette Fraser Wheat is a high school alum of mine. Beautiful young woman who was in. We did um, Little Abner among other things. <laughs> uh, Laley Lippard. I realize I've never. Is it Laley or Lally? I always mess up that name. Um, but uh, director. Um, and I'm not sure we've ever actually directly worked with each other, but we've we've circled each other, kind of going, hmm. Um, I do keep um, some birthdays on the list for people who have passed. Robert Henry Johnson died last year. Mm. 
um, and he was an amazing actor, director, singer, um, choreographer, um, dancer. He he was just incredible. So um, still feeling that loss. Uh, Pamela Pamela Ellen is an actor that I worked with. I think pretty sure with Word for Word on one of their school tours. Um, we so funny that was when I learned the difference between Persian and Iranian. <laughs> Hmm. Which is just political, really. You, you know, when, when America hates Iran, people suddenly identify as Persian. And then since that first happened, there's been more of a p- push to kind of decide how you want to identify. But yeah. not the sort of trying to get, you know, avoid the fire or the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will skip this one because I bet you'll have it. Albert Hodge is an actor I only really met face to face last year. And it was another one of those where he walked up to me going, Norman! And I was like, oh, this is what you look like in person. Yay. Uh, Michelle Levy, um, wonderful Bay Area actor, actor, actress. I think she still lives in Oakland. I think she is in Oakland, like an Oakland native. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was involved with um, Crowd of Fire back in the day. Amy Kauso is one of the seven women who have been advisors to Word for Word from the beginning. Nice. Uh, also an amazing actress. I saw Amy in a piece. Um, oh, God. It was about a tractor. <laughs> it was about a tractor, and she falls in love with the tractor. <laughs> it, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it was a fascinating piece. Kevin Hammond, uh, director, uh, got to do two shows with uh, the Arabian Shakespeare Company. Mm-hmm. Um, then they became Perspective, and now they are no more. Yeah, and Mickey Bellin, Mickey Hirabashi, Bellin is a local Asian actor, and the last one I have is Alex Matthews, also another Bay Area actor who I don't think we've ever worked together, but we we've known each other. We see each other and kind of go, "Oh, I want to work with you." Mm. Maybe someday it'll happen. <laughs> Those are my birthday kids. Uh, my list is a little smaller. Um, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and uh, another one who graduated with me, uh, Dorsindo Parker. Her birthday is today. She's fifty-four years old. Happy birthday, Dorsindo. Um, my brother. Andre Terrell Clay, his birthday was yesterday. Yeah. Dre, a happy 40th birthday to you. Magnificent piano player. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm not just saying that because I'm his big brother. Mm. Um, you mentioned Terrence. Did you mention Terrence Smith? I did not. Yep, Terrence I Smith. that one. His birthday is tomorrow. Uh, no, Monday. Yep. January 29th. A magnificent actor. He was in, um, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but he was he at keeps last. working. Yeah, exactly. He was in uh, A Soldier Story at the Altarina. And he was in uh, Much Ado. He was my brother. Yeah. In yeah. Much Ado. <laughs> there you go. Also on Monday, Alex Murphy. Uh, he is a fantastic actor. I was on stage with him when we did um, Grey Gardens. Oh, he played Joe, Genethi- Joe Kennedy Jr. So, um, happy birthday, Alex. That'll be his, that's Monday. Tuesday, I don't know this actress, but I've seen her on Facebook, Paige Mays. Um, Do you know her? I don't. No, yeah, but she... Oh, I think Paige was in, not this year's, but last year's cast of Christmas Carol. I bet so. Yeah. Um, and I've, She's fantastic. Yeah, I've reached out to her, so we'll see if she oh, you know nice. wants to be a guest on the A. Mm-hmm. But her birthday is on Tuesday, January the 30th. So, Paige, if you're listening, happy birthday to you. Uh, you mentioned Rondrell, or did you? I didn't. Ah, Rondrell McCormick. <laughs> uh, someone that you brought on. Uh, he is, I'm sure he's in Hollywood doing all sorts of really uh, cool things. I think he might actually be in Palo Alto, and I'm wondering if he's 
rehearsing a show or something. Okay. There was a hint online that he might be in Palo Alto. And I was like, dude, are you in the Bay Area? You need to let me know. <laughs> yeah, fantastic actor and director. Radical and Rao musician. Told, and musician, yeah. Radical Rao told a wonderful story of how he directed, I think it was a, a Latino piece, but he... She mentioned that, you know, he had uh, uh, such an awareness of a culture that's not his own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's it spoke really, really. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah, he's very good. Thursday, um, Jake Gleason's birthday, uh, February the 1st. We've had him on the yay Philippine uh, slash white actor. Uh, I was on stage with him at the Altarina. We did. It's only a play. A really, really talented guy. And uh, one other person, Steve Ortiz. I'm sure you left that for me. Yeah. <laughs> A magnificent actor. He's been. Has he? I know he, he's he's adorned the stage of um, Central Works. Yes, um, a, a number of times. Yeah, was part of the Baldwin project that we did, and mm-hmm. um, he's just and was in the um, uh, Death of a Salesman. That that's had to that's right. That had to be canceled. Yeah. So that is that um, shows. Well, did Can, you have some birthdays? I, I actually did. I do a couple. Sure. Um, two wonderful people, Amanda Lay Nguyen. Um, who uh, whose birthday was yesterday, and Anna Marie Sharp, whose birthday is today. Both of them uh, Christmas Carol cast members, hey. fantastic, fantastic <laughs> actors. Hey, hey, hey. Um, happy birthday to both of you! Awesome, awesome. Ooh. Thank you so much. All right, shows. Um, uh, the only thing I got is Big Data because that's that's my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> yep, yeah. and I've got Big Data right here. ACT February the fifteenth. It starts and ends March the tenth. You are an understudy in the show, and we're crossing our fingers that you'll get on, and we have a link, so if people want to see it. Um, I, I will be at opening for that. I'm, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> yeah. It is going to be a trip. It yeah. is, it's hard to talk about the show without giving stuff away, but uh, the watching the relationships are just a delight. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fred Pitts. There he's doing art. What's you Fred again. doing? Oh, he's bringing the show back. That's right. The, Where, mar- the wait, Marsh wait, wait, wait. cannot. Can, the Marsh cannot let go of him. February the tenth through March the second. This will be like his Yay. third um, reprise yeah. of it. So, um, so we have a link for that. South Bay Musical Theater is doing a little night music, a wonderful Sondheim oh. piece. Nick Mandrakia is mm-hmm. in it, and we love Nick. Yep. Uh, it opened January the twenty seventh. Uh, it will open January twenty seventh. That's today, tonight. And it ends February the 17th. Mm. Um, Foothill Musical Theater is doing Legally Blonde. Uh, and that'll be March the 1st through the 17th. Melissa Mambois, who's been on the show, mm-hmm. is in it. Uh, we have a link for that. Uh, Palo Alto Players is doing Misery. We've been advertising that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the uh, Stephen King um, book and film. Movie which and now, <laughs> exactly. stage adaptation. Now. Kimberly Ridgway, because she does everything, is dire- excuse me, directing that. That'll end February the 4th. Uh, San Francisco Sketch Fetch is uh, happening right now. Um, I forgot to mention it, but Dan Wilson uh, was on, I think, a couple of nights ago. And coming up February the 1st, Radhika Rao will be on. Wow. And so that'll be really cool. Love Radhika. She is actually our next guest for the third time. Oh, my God. Tell her I said hi. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you'll be here. Um, I'm not sure. That's Yeah, we'll we'll see. I've got callbacks. Yep. Also, Radhika will be doing a piece called Not Therapy uh, at Cutting Ball, <laughs> February the 16th through the 18th. I think she'll be interacting with the audience. Mm-hmm. She is a doctor, so she deals right. with uh, physical, um, I think, uh, sociology, uh, psychology. Oh, she should but, uh, stay out of Florida. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and she'll be combining that with theater. But it won't be therapy, not therapy. <laughs> uh, so we have a link for that. So please check that out. Aurora Theater is doing Manhattan. 
Mm. Uh, that uh, opens February the that 9th. That is a fascinating script. Th- uh, through March the 10th. Yeah, Linda Omaiho-san is in the show, so we have a link for that. Max Foreman Mullen also in that cast. Right yeah. on, right on. So check it out. The new Conservatory Theater Center, NTC, NCTC, is doing Unpacking in P-Town. Kimberly Ridgway, because she's in everything, is directing that as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's been on a roll, March the 1st through the 31st, so check mm. that out. Um, San Francisco Shakes is doing As You Like It, and they perform in various areas, so you'll have to ch- click on the link to find out where they're performing. Mm-hmm. Jen Coogan is part of the musical creative team for that show, oh, nice. and she's been on the A, so that's mm-hmm. really, really cool for them. Uh, Shotgun Players is doing Best Available. That'll be May the 18th through the 31st. It's far off, but I just wanted to mm-hmm. uh, to put it out there. Kimberly Ridgway, <laughs> I have not mentioned her name anymore, is the associate director. John Tracy is the director. And uh, Jonathan oh, wow. Spector uh, is the writer. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And we had him on, I believe, last week. Um, mm. So, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out. Um, Catherine Park. Uh, she has been on the yay. I don't think you've ever met her uh, because no, every I'm time not. that I've, every time you've been away, she's been on. She's been on at least two times, and she's been a big proponent of the yay. She's been really promoting us. Oh, yeah. But she is a local um, singer, a songwriter, mm-hmm. and she has an album out, um, and we've been performing um, promoting that. But she'll be performing at the San Francisco International Arts Festival on April the seventeenth, possibly May the ninth. The event is called the Last Supper Party. And we have a link for that. She's also in the movie. It's an independent movie called Sorry We're Dead. It'll be performing at the Roxy Theater on February the 10th. So if you want to see independent, (laughs) an independent film and you want to support local Bay Area, check out, um, check out that. And uh, we have some podcasts, so you don't just just listen to us. Barry Graves has the Black Man's Heart. Check that out. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS Radio, and she is co-producing two podcasts, As Prescribed and Bay Current. Central Works has the podcast Central Works Script Club, where you can download or read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright delivered semi-annually. Our good friend Aaron Henney has a theater, uh, a Jewish theater company called the Dibbuk, Theater Dibbuk in L.A., and they have a podcast called The Dibbacast. So check that out. Deborah Cortez has a podcast called Let's Talk About Grief. She's, she was very open about the death of her son a couple of years ago, and she deals with that grief, and she deals with it via a podcast and she brings on guests to talk about how we all handle grief. Mm-hmm. Also, Bendelstiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. Check that out on any podcast app. We have our jerseys, black, white, and pinstriped, so mm-hmm. check that out. Um, mm-hmm. It's only $30, PME, DME, as, as the kids always say. <laughs> that is it. Brennan, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank fantastic. you so much for having me on. <laughs> no, it is fa- we fantastic, and I uh, can't wait to see you on stage one of these days. You and me both. <laughs> we are on uh, all podcast apps. We're on that purple podcast app if you have an iPhone or an iPad. We're also on Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, and we're also on Amazon Prime. Just go on music.amazon.com, search for the A, and you will find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. And also, uh, people can find out more about you, Brennan, on Brennan Pickman Thune. Yeah. Dot com. Just the full name, <laughs> no hyphens, Brennan Pickman Thune dot com. Yeah. Or B. 
Pikmin Thune, my first initial, my last name, on Instagram. There you go. Oh. On Instagram. Awesome. For a lot of very unfascinating things. Hey, hey, hey. All righty. Well, it was great. It was a wonderful conversation. It was really, really cool. That is it. It's a wonderful Saturday. Uh, enjoy yourselves. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find, find a, a better, better sign off. off. And go Niners. And we are <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs>